So today we're talking about Sukkot, which is my favorite, favorite, favorite of all of the Jewish festivals. Um, and so as we talk about just different elements of leadership, the question that I want to pose to us is, does God lead you? Think about that and actually honestly take an, take an evaluation of your heart and of your mind and of your spirit. Does God lead me? Write that down in your, in your, in your notes. Does God truly lead me? We're going to talk about what that means here this morning. Because the Feast of Sukkot, or tabernacles, or booths, remembers that God provides provision, protection, and presence for those who love Him. So we can gather and celebrate together with great joy. The Feast of Sukkot, tabernacles, that's what the word Sukkot means, is (coughs) tabernacles or, or booths, which we'll get to here in just a minute. But this, this festival, this feast, remembers that God provides, that God is the one that provides the provisions, protection, and His presence to those who love Him. So that we can gather and celebrate together with great joy. So we're going to read Leviticus chapter 23, and uh, 23 through 43. Let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's Word here this morning. It says this. The Lord spoke to Moses. Tell the Israelites, the festival of shelters, or Sukkot, to the Lord begins on the 15th day of of this seventh, seventh month and continues for seven days. There is to be a sacred assembly on the first day. You are not to do any daily work. You are to present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the eighth day, you are to hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You are not to do any daily work. These are the Lord's appointed times that you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for presenting food offerings to the Lord, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings, each on its its designated days. These are in addition to the offerings for the Lord's Sabbaths, your gifts, your vow offerings, and all your freewill offerings that you give to the Lord. You are to celebrate the Lord's festival on the 15th day of the seventh month for seven days after you have gathered the produce of the land. There will be complete rest on the first day and complete rest on the eighth day. On the first day, you are to take the product of majestic trees, palm fronds, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, And rejoice before the Lord, your God, for seven days. You are to celebrate it as a festival to the Lord seven days each year. This is a permanent statute for you throughout your generations. Celebrate it in the seventh month. You are to live in shelters, or sukkah, for seven days. On the native-born, all the native-born of Israel must live in shelters, so that your generations may know that I made the Israelites live in shelters when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. O oh Lord, our God, open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have to speak to us here today. Open our hearts to receive you, to receive one another. Lord, to hear from your spirit. Open up your word. Open up my mouth to speak truth here this morning. And love. 
and rejoicing. For it's in Jesus we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. So, what is a sukkah? So a sukkah, we're going to be talking about this, this festival of Sukkot, which is the plural form of sukkah. It's many sukkahs, is Sukkot. We're going to be talking about Sukkot for the next two weeks. So today and then next week as well. And so I'm super excited to, to talk about it because like I said, it's my favorite of all of the Jewish festivals. So, so sukkahs, this is a sukkah. <coughs> So this is a temporary shelter. So the, the word sukkah means tabernacle or booth or, te- or simply temporary shelter that Israel lived in during the 40 years in the wilderness after they came out of Egypt. So they, they came out of Egypt and they wandered for 40 years and they would set these up. They were a nomadic people. They would travel and they would wander. That's like they wandered. And so uh, they wandered in the wilderness and God provided for them every single day. He provided, what is it? <laughs> well, that's what it means. It means, what is it? Because <laughs> they came out and they're like, uh, what is it? <laughs> and so it was a substance that you know, the dew fell on the ground and when, it evap- when the dew evaporated, it left these white flakes. And they would collect the white flakes and they would make, and they would crush it down into a powder and then use that powder to make cakes and all sorts of different, different things. It was their flour for bread. So they would then use the water and mix it together and make little cakes or make, make unleavened bread. So it was literally their daily bread. No, and that's, I, I didn't, I thought so too until about like a year ago. I was like, what is this? Yeah, but in the Bible, it's, so you, they take, it's flakes, and they took the flakes and made, and made it into cakes and stuff. So it became their flour. So it was kind of a, kind of a flaky uh, substance that tasted like, like honey, they said. And so it was kind of a sweet bread, too. What's that? Yum. Yum. Yeah. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> but every day for 40 years. I mean, my mom can't have two meals of the same variety in a row. You know, like, we just had Mexican yesterday. Like, I know. I love Mexican. Let's do it again. <laughs> I just had peanut butter and jelly yesterday, Mom. You know. <laughs> You're going to have them for the next one. Imagine having, having, you know, peanut butter and jelly every day. Only. That's it. That's all I get. <laughs> or bologna. Meat. Yeah. <laughs> they know me asking for meat. But so they would live in these sukkahs. And so for seven days to remember the wandering in the wilderness once they got into the promised land. But that's why he said this will be a statute for you forever. You know, always do this so that you'll always remember, always remember, always remember. Well, oh, we wandered in the wilderness. That was that was fun. You know, yay! why would we want to remember that? It's not about remembering what happened. It's remembering why it happened. It's remembering that God was the one that was leading them, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But so he commanded them to erect these things, to, to live in it for uh, seven days. And, and many still do, like they'll sleep in it, they'll eat in it. But most people today, uh, when they're observing it, only like this one shows, only eat in their sukkahs uh, during the festival of Sukkot. Um, so it is a harvest festival. It's also known as the festival uh, in Exodus, in Exodus 16 and Exodus 23, as the festival of ingathering. Uh, 
Because they did this after they had harvested and gathered all of their harvest from their gardens. So right now, we woke up this morning to what? A frost. Who has forgotten to uh, to bring in their gardens? Has anyone forgotten? <laughs> Just haven't done it yet, right? You guys brought in your garden already? Already already up, right? It's the festival of in-gathering, right? So it was a remembrance that they trusted on the Lord to provide for them, and now they're, they're, all the crops have been uh, harvested and gathered for the season. So this is the last of the pilgrimage festivals for the year. So all males over 13 were required to be in attendance. And most of, me, most of the time, families would also get on to Jerusalem as well. But, this, but what I mean by pilgrimage festival is that they would travel to Jerusalem. All Jewish people from all over, wherever they were at. If they were still over in Babylon, if they were over in... Um, up in like you know, in, in Rome, up by Rome and Italy, if they were up in Greece, they would come and travel down to Jerusalem. They would travel up to Jerusalem because it's always up. No matter what where you are, you're always traveling up to Jerusalem because it's up a mountain. <laughs> and so this festival was and still is today the most joyous uh, and and festive of all of Israel's feasts. This is the one that everyone looks forward to. This is the blowout, all go, you know, going forth, you know, throwing all of your all of your chips into one basket. If you're going to prepare and go all out for any festival, for any any holiday, this is it. This is the one that you you save up for all year and you look forward to all year. Which what holiday do you guys look look forward to every year? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving right? Feasting, right? Christmas. We look forward to these things. You know, these are great times to look forward to. This was their, the Jewish Oktoberfest. It was a big celebration after they had harvested everything and they come together just to feast and to relax and to hang out and to laugh and to celebrate. This commemorated God's past goodness and provision during their wilderness sojourn and it also commemorated the God's present goodness and provision with the completion of the harvest that God is still providing. God is still providing. He is still giving what his, his presence, his, his pro, he provides provision, protection and presence for those who love him. <clears throat> so they're in the sukkahs. Um, so the attitude of this holiday, oftentimes when we see this word holy, it's a holy assembly. It's a holy holiday, right? I mean, the, the word holiday literally means holy day. So when people are, you know, saying holiday instead of Christmas, they're not taking Christ out of Christmas. They're just saying holy day. Happy holy day. Great. Cool. I'm cool with that. Because <laughs> it's a holy day. <laughs> but this, this attitude almost times is like this solemn or almost like stoic you know, thing like, um, you know, some, some sort of like introspective, not happy, not a smile on your face, just more like a, I'm going to honor and honor the Lord. You know, but this is not what this festival is all about. This is not what these feast festivals are all about. This feast or festival is coming before the very presence of Yahweh in joy. It even says in the scripture, what does it say? In, in chapter 23, he said this somewhere. As I feel like, like Jesus. It says somewhere. 
In verse 40, And rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. This is a party! Rejoice! Play music! Dance! Break the, you know, break the, the, the plates! Oh! Opa! Right? It is this party, this, you know, so basically he's saying, you must party for seven days. Right? Oh, darn. <laughs> celebrate the, the Lord's goodness. Celebrate His presence. Celebrate His provision and protection for you. Go all out. This is a seven-day potluck. We're going to do this. <laughs> this is a seven-day potluck, never-ending, always have snacks and, and wine and beer like available and just having sodas and, and just party it. Party hardy. Because we are welcomed into God's presence. Because we are His people. Together, together we are set apart. We are holy. It's interesting that, that, that uh, the, it's widely believed that you know, so the colonists, you know, the early Puritans, um, were apparently, I just found this out, really learned in the Hebrew Scriptures and in the cultures and celebrations and, and of, of the Hebrew people. They were great students of Hebrew language and culture. And it's interesting that it seems like they, it's widely believed by a lot of scholars that the first Thanksgiving was actually an expression of Sukkot. Kind of cool. So it wasn't just like a one-day, yay, Thanksgiving meal. It was like a week-long festival of celebration and community with the Native people. That was the goal. That was their heart behind it. Israel's time, in fact, in, in the wilderness is known as the time of our blessing. I'm sorry, the time of our rejoicing. So the, the, the time in, in Israel's, Israel's time in the wilderness is known as that our time of, rejo- of our rejoicing. Because it's interesting to think about. Okay, they're, they're wandering in the wilderness. They're eating manna every day. But think about this. What happened when they got into, into the promised land? They spread out. And they only got to see each other three times a year. Because there were only three pilgrimage festivals to Jerusalem. And so this, and so they only got to be in God's presence three times a year. Because God's presence for them was in Jerusalem. But in the wilderness, it was every day. In the, in the wilderness, it was a cloud by day and, and a fire by night leading them. But they were always, because the camp was around the tabernacle. And different tribes were in different places, you know, in different directions, north, north, south, east, west. <clears throat> right? And so, but they were surrounding the temple. They would bring their daily food, their sacrifice to the Lord. And they would always be dining in His presence. So this festival was, all these different festivals was to remember God welcomes us into His presence because we are His people. And that's why they were supposed to be the light to the, all the nations, inviting people from all over the place. You had people as far as Ethiopia coming, coming up, the queen of, queen of Ethiopia coming up. You had people as far as, as Italy. And some even say, you know, from far east, from Persia at the moment. 
People coming from all over, from Egypt, all the way over, because they, Israel was the light to the nations. Israel and God's presence was an invitation for all people to come and become a part of God's people so that they too could experience God's presence. That's what Sukkot is all about. That is what Sukkot, Sukkot is all about. So this is our, uh, our Sukkot. <laughs> it's a, this is our, just our little canopy. So we're, 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 we're going to improve in you know, the years to come. We'll probably build a frame and, you know, because one of the things you're supposed to do is have a, like a living roof. You're supposed to actually have like palm fronds or something, some sort of greenery that covers the roof to give you shade in the daytime, but you can see the stars through to remember that God is the creator of everything. <coughs> and so to remember that God led Israel in the wilderness. Remember that God fed Israel in the wilderness and that God was with Israel in the wilderness. To remember that when they followed and trusted God, life went well. Life was blessed. But when they grumbled, followed their desires, and grumbled against God, things did not go well for them. That's right. When they followed and trusted, they flourished. And there was great rejoicing throughout all the, the land of Israel. When they followed their desires and grumbled against God, there was much sorrow. So the question, can saints, can we celebrate Sukkot? Like last week? Yes! Woo! This is an invitation for us. God has invited us to also participate in Sukkot. Now, here's the thing. He's not commanding us by any means. Like, like we talked about like last week and week, week before, this is, if you don't celebrate any of the Jewish festivals, you are not in sin. You're not like rebelling against God if you don't celebrate the Jewish festivals. It's just good. <laughs> it's like, it's an invitation to celebrate God. What better way to celebrate God than in the festivals that He has already given us? And there's, there's so many times all throughout the, the New Testament where Paul is alluding to these different festivals. He's alluding to Passover. He's alluding to Sukkot. Actually, Jesus, there's a big chunk. We're going to talk about this next week with Sukkot as we're talking about it next week. But there's, there's so many incredible things that Jesus did that are accounted for in, in different books of the New Testament um, during Sukkot. And it's, it's super exciting. Oh, my gosh, I'm so excited to talk to, for next week's sermon. You guys have to come back. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> but it's just one of the things specifically was to heal the blind man. That was Sukkot. By sending him to the pool of Siloam, which I'll get to next week. It's awesome. But basically it's known as the, as the pond or the water of living water, which was representative, which was the representation of Holy Spirit poured out. So he told this, the blind man to go and wash in the living water. Come next week. It's going to be awesome. So, because it's a time to remember. We can use this as a time to remember that God, it, that it is God who cares for you. That it is God who is with you in the good times. 
that it is God who is with you to sustain you and comfort you in the bad. That it is God who leads you. God who provides for you. God who saves you. And God who glorifies you and will resurrect you. So again, that question. Does God lead you? Yes. Take this question home with you to consider it. Because if he leads you, how does he lead you? Or if he, you think he does, are there areas where you let him? How do you let, let him? Do you listen to him? Does God have permission to lead you? Do you give God opportunity and a listening ear to listen to him? I love how it's said, been said that God is a gentleman. He won't force himself on you. He won't force you to love him or force you into following him. God is a gentleman. It's interesting. I, I saw this, <coughs> this post on this news app that I, that I have called Smart News. And uh, it's just news articles from all over different, art, different all of the spectrum from liberal to conservative, all, everything in between. Just a good mix, hodgepodge. Um, but there was different articles about different random things, and one of them I found was this whole list of like 30 different reasons why people left Christianity. And it's very interesting. It's very depressing. Because it all, they all wrap around these main three themes that they left Christianity when they were disappointed that God didn't answer their prayers the way that they asked asked them or wanted, that they were disappointed in man's response or their attempts at ministering to the person. They were misrepresenting God. And that's a big one, guys. That was honestly the most of, of the responses was, I did this and I struggled with this, and they gave me a crap answer. And I looked at it, I was like, that's a crap answer. That's not God. No. You know. Wow. You know. Basically like stop thinking about him because he committed suicide and suicide's a sin and he's also Jewish, so he's probably in hell. Just like yeah, that's misrepresenting God. That is misrepresenting. And misrepresenting God's heart. Like it was so brutal, you guys. Because it's not our God. No. And the way that he's been represented by ministers. I've been there. That's why I left the church for a while. I wanted nothing to do with the church. I was like, heck no. Before God was like, no, no, no. Yes, I see the problems. But you don't just abandon ship. You go and be a part of the change that I want to see in the church. Amen. And so that's why we're trying to do church differently. And I, I desire to, do, to be faithful. And so here's, and here's the thing. is like if we, if, we, if we are misrepresenting God to one another... This is where the Bible even says, rebuke each other. Correct one another. Right? Right? Speak the truth to one another in love. So if we're misrepresenting God, we don't like, you stop it! Like coming down on them and like be harsh and being a jerk ourselves. Right? We want to welcome them and invite them back in to right way of thinking. And the love love that God has. So, and they're also, you know, people left Christianity when they're disappointed that Christianity wasn't like what the world was like. (laughs) They're like, 
they're against this and against that. I'm like, yeah, n- n- you're right. No crap, Sherlock. It's like when people expect the ways of the church to be the ways of the world. Or the ways of the world to be the way that you, in which the church just simply affirms. The church is supposed to, we are, you know, saints, we are supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Right. Not jerks to the world. No. Because like Israel, we're supposed to be, we now are the light to the nations. Amen. Inviting God, inviting people to God. Inviting people to come and share a meal in His presence. To come and sense and feel and be with the Lord's people. Because when with the Lord's people, they're with God. Because the Holy Spirit, you know, God is in us. So when non-believers are with us, they're with God. They're in His presence. They're in front of the very mercy seat of God. Because the mercy seat rests in us. We are living stones. We are tabernacles of God. As the Ark of the Covenant was, so we are, so are we. Because Holy Spirit resides on each one of you. Each one of us in the church. The Bible says. If anyone has the Spirit, he has the Son. He has God. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have the Son. Basically, like they were disappointed that it, the church did not espouse and preach selfism. And self-help. This is where we are different. How we follow the Lord. How do we follow the Lord? Jesus told us, do you, we deny ourselves. It's not about self. It's about, nor is it about self-deprecation. It's about Him. It's not about destroying the self or worshiping the self. It's not about the self at all. It's about denying the self and being all about Him. Denying ourself, what pick up, picking up our cross and following Him. Die to the mentality of you being in charge of your life. I am in control. I am leading my life. I do what I think and I do what I feel. And follow Jesus. What He says. Follow His Word. Sukkot is all about following Yahweh. It's daily entrusting your life to the direction, to His direction and His care. That's what Sukkot is all about. That's what our lives are all about. And we can do this and express this and remember this in Sukkot. Because Jesus even said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Do we have troubles? In this life, in this world, you will have trouble. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. This happened to me. This this happened, you know, and very serious things happen to people. Yeah. You know, people's loved ones die of cancer. You might have suffered abuse. The child leaves Islamic, you know. Different things happen in our lives. Happen to those that we love around us. And it's not the time to say, God, if you were so good, you could have let not let this happen. So guess what? I'm going to curse you and live my own life. Because you're not good. You're not powerful. Because look at my circumstances. 
versus looking and seeing that Jesus even said, in this life, in this world, you will have trouble. Why? Because there's evil all around us. There are evil people doing evil things always. Always. All around us. But, but, be of good cheer. But God, but take heart. Take courage. Be encouraged. I have overcome the world. (coughs) So as God's saints, are we denying ourselves? Facing our trial in through selfism? God, if you would have only answered my prayers my way, then I'd still think you're a, a good God. God, if you would have done this and fixed my circumstances so this person wouldn't, wouldn't have died of cancer, I prayed to you all the time and you still let them die. Versus, that's a trouble. And recognizing that cancer is going to be in this world. Abuse is going to be in this world. War is going to be in this world. Lies and deception, corruption are going to be in this world. But are we also taking heart? Are we being encouraged? Because our God has overcome the world. In 1962, Billy Graham gave an amazing and powerful sermon. Another thing happened in 1962, right now, starting today. 60 years ago today, shush your butt. (laughs) 60 years ago today was the beginning of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And Billy Graham gave us a sermon during the spring, during the escalation. That, that started the Cuban Missile Crisis on October 16th, 1962. This is what he said. He focused on the church. He said, Christianity is losing because of its lack of commitment and surrender and dedication. There are thousands of people today in our churches who at least have their name on the church row, but have no deep, deep commitment to Christ, who have never really had an encounter with the living Christ. They've never really been converted to Christ. The greatest need in America at this hour is for Christians to be Christians. For the church people to have a depth and a commitment and a surrender to Christ. To come to know Him as Savior and Lord. If you're trusting in the American military power and our economic strength, you better run for a bomb shelter. Unless we have faith in God, Unless we have spiritual resources upon which we can call, we will not be saved as a nation. We must call upon God. Amen. And what was just said a few weeks ago, our President Biden said, we are at the, wor- at the worst threat of nuclear warfare since the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So we're in a season now where there are fears about nuclear nuclear war. Different predica- you know, pr- predictions of nuclear war. If you if 
if if Russia you know drops a nuclear war here war warhead and then NATO fights back and then you know they fight back and then they, we fight back and pfft, stock up on your what's that what the thing the whatever the chemical is <laughs> little pills stock stock up on water stock up on this stock up on that better prepare better go and face it like everyone else in the world and be freaked out and start prepping. No, there's nothing wrong with being prepared. Power goes out all the time, right? Well, ish. But it's interesting that we have a tendency to look like Israel to be overcome by the desire to run to Egypt, to run back to our comfort zone, to run back to what seems logical versus continuing to press forward only relying on God. Christ knows where the world is going. Our God isn't surprised by anything. He's not surprised by anything that is in the coming weeks. He's not going to be surprised by the election. He's not going to be surprised by what happens in Ukraine or the rest of the world. Jesus Christ is not surprised. He knows where the world is going. And Christ will lead us if we let him. As he even said in John chapter 16, verse 13, said the Spirit leads us into all truth. He will lead us if we'll let him. Our lives as God's saints are not to be lived like the rest of the world. We live a different way. We live in a different way. That's why we were called, our original name was followers of the way. The way of Christ. The way that Christ taught. The way that Christ lived. That was how the church lived. We are followers of the way, the truth, and the life. We have a different way, a different truth, a different life than the rest of the world. We're weird. Woo! Here is my official permission giving to you guys. You have permission to be weird. Be weird. <laughs> weird. Right? We're weird. Be weird. Enjoy being weird. It may not always be fun. Like I said, persecutions will come. They're going to hate you because you live differently than them. But be weird. That's why Amberlynn married me. I mean, I'll just randomly break out, you know, in a cheerleader kick or something like that. You know, I'm weird. I'm cool with being weird. Being weird by not freaking out with the rest of the world. By thinking and, and reacting, responding differently than the rest of the world. And honestly, sometimes differently than a lot of those in the church that are wrapped up in the ways of the world. That are wrapped up melding their politics with their faith. Oh, no, I, no. I know, that probably hurts them. <clears throat> be weird. Rejoice. Be weird in this, in this world. Romans 8 says, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the, what? The flesh, the sarks, the world, the world's mentality, the world's way of living, this earthly realm. 
That's what sarks the flesh means. To live according to the sarks. Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with, together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs to receive. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him. So that we may also be glorified. Does that sound like a, a, a religion that everything just goes, woo? No. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. And enduring. Turn to God. Always. Always. Turn to God. Put your complete faith, your very life, into His care. Under his leadership. Not just having a faith that looks to God in the bad times when you need God. Oh, God is always there for me when, when I'm struggling. God is always there for me when I'm, when I'm suffering. Always. Good, the bad, the ugly, the joyful. <laughs> but here's the thing. Even especially in the good times. Because you won't fully be able to celebrate and feel the joy unless you celebrate it with the God who created joy and whose very essence is joy. Christ is coming again. Could be a hundred hours or a thousand hours. Could be a thousand days. Could be a thousand years. I don't know. I don't know. How will He find you? Essentially, there's, there, there's a, verse, a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4. The very end of it, he says, encourage one another with these words. And the whole chapter is about just all about the return of Christ. He was going to return with the sound of the trumpet. He's going to return with power. He's going to return with this and this and this fanfare and this fanfare. He's going to do this and this. So therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage each other, that Christ is coming again. Words of the reminder of Christ's final and victorious return. Are you discouraged? Disappointed? Fearful in this life? Are there times when we do? Yeah, 100%. Feel discouraged? Deflated? Fearful? Stressed? Anxious? Encourage one another with these words and then endure to the end. Endure to the end. Be comforted. Be at peace. Christ will come and we will be with Him. We can be with Him today and through prayer and walking by the Spirit today. Rejoice! As Paul even encouraged the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always! Shoot, I'll say it again! Rejoice! That wasn't just me. That was right there. It says, I'll say it again. 
Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Don't don't be anxious. Don't allow yourself to be anxious. But in everything, through prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the God of peace, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Rejoice. Again, joy is not a emotion like happiness that can be taken away by our circumstances. Like I always say, who is the most joyful person? Jesus, when he was dying on the cross. Because he knew that his death on the cross would win and purchase all of us and forgive all of us and bring us into fellowship with God. that we would be his people, that we would be able to rejoice through prayers and petition with thanksgiving, present our requests to God. Does that say he's going to answer exactly how you want him, you to? Um, exactly how you want him to? Is that what it's saying? No, what does it say? Give them to God and then what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. So whether he answers our prayers the way that we want or expect him to or not, he will give us his peace. If we trust him, if we will be led by him, he will give us that peace that surpasses all understanding. Well, God didn't answer your prayers. I know it doesn't make sense, but I feel peace. But they still died. I know, but I'm at peace because God is still God and I'm still his. And he still loves me. And so the Feast of Sukkot, Tabernacles, Booths, Temporary Shelters, remembers and reminds us today that God provides provision, protection, and presence for those who love him so that we can gather and celebrate together with great joy. God is our hope, our salvation our peace, our direction, and our glory. And the church is the expression of his love and grace that we can show one another and experience ourselves with one another. Again, we're not going to be perfect at it. We're going to make mistakes. We're, we will suffer. The, you know, if we step out in faith or, and, and try, we might misrepresent, misrepresent God. But that's the way that we grow. We grow by making mistakes. And most importantly, metanoia, changing your mind. Repent, right? Repent, right? We, unless we are willing to say, I messed up, I am sorry, I misspoke, will you please forgive me? That was a really douchebaggery thing of you know to say that was a terrible thing to say i can't believe that your mom's funeral i said well all things happen for a reason god makes all all things happen for a reason oh i want to smack someone <coughs> we speak things out of out of turn that are unloving and we have to be humble enough to say i am sorry
Will you forgive me? And can we please restore this relationship as God wants it to be? God has given us his people to be the expression of his provision and protection. And most importantly, his presence. A people to celebrate with, to feast with, to weep with, to rejoice with, to be with, and to share our lives with. The good, the bad, the ugly. And to express God to one another. So that we can experience God through godly relationships. That's his heart. So we can experience the outpouring of his Holy Spirit in community. Jesus, we thank you for the festival of Sukkot. We thank you for the reminder that you desire to lead your people. That you desire to invite all people to your presence, to your great Sukkah of fellowship and community with one another. With a fellowship of people who love and serve one another out of a reverence for Christ. So Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, that you would just fill us with that expression. You would just fill us with fellowship and relationship to share life and encouragement with one another, to encourage each other with words of reminder of who we are, that you are coming again to remind each other of your grace, to remind each other of your love, to remind each other of your forgiveness and your restoration and your endurance, to have a people to weep with, to to rejoice with, to feast with, to mourn with. God, lead us. Lead, Lead each one of us individually, and lead us together as your church, as your ecclesia here in Belgrade. We love you, Jesus. All these things we pray in your name. Amen.